Today. 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 Today with Jeff Vines. Twice every weekday on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Well, let's turn our attention to one of those challenging ways that we might talk about our Christian faith. With so much criticism of Christians who will adhere to God's morality in the Bible and comparing God's morality to what they see as a cultural narrative that's popular today that says anything goes, there might be a real opportunity here for us to explore something special about our Christian faith. There is a thought that somehow or other intellectualism is more important than Christianity and that there are modern intellectuals who have it all over the Christians because they are different to the way that God in the Bible describes the way reality is. There's also a reaction, a reaction that says Christians can't be intellectual if you are going to be a person of faith. Well, let's get some insight today from Dr. Andrew Corbett, who pastors Legana Christian Church in northern Tasmania. He's written several books and he's national president of ICI, Theological College Australia, a theological distance education provider. Uh, Andrew, welcome back to 2020. Thank you, Neil. Great to be with you again. Andrew, sometimes people think there is a difference between intellectualism and Christian faith because if you're going to be a person of faith, you've thrown your intellect out the window. Uh, But uh, what are your thoughts for Christians who want to pursue some deeper pursuits in understanding and in arguing with those who might be opponents of Christianity? Well, I think, Neil, in some churches, being an what we might call an intellectual, someone who might be an academic or in the field of uh, STEM, science, technology, engineering and maths, it may be that they hear, whether they deliberately hear it, whether it's deliberately conveyed, that Christianity is a matter of heart, not head. It's a matter of uh, stop, stop thinking about it and just accept it by faith. And for those people, this kind of issue is a real struggle because they, they turn up in church on a Sunday or over the weekend and they they hear just trust go with your feelings Luke you know this kind of thing and then on a Monday they, they've got to crunch numbers they've got to put chemicals into test tubes they've got to do all kinds of things that require equations and formulas and and all kinds of rigorous intellectual uh, exercises and so for them they're, they're almost living I guess they might be living a, a dual life. They're, they're living a, a, a world in a world where Christianity is for Sunday, but the real world starts on Monday. And, and Neil, I want to challenge that idea. Some come to Christ using their personal ability to reason and to try and understand. That's not a bad thing, is it? Isn't that a positive thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we need to be really clear. You you cannot be a Christian simply because you think it's a good idea. That, that, that's, let's be really clear here that Christianity is a supernatural transformation of a human being. And something happens inside that human being in, in what we might refer to as their soul, where where the Bible describes being separated from God is is basically being dead. You're cut off from your life source. 
and turning to your life source and, and asking for forgiveness. And, and the, the Bible's word is to repent, to have sorrow over the way you've been living and to turn to him is actually a spiritual supernatural exercise we we understand that christianity is christ in we also understand that christianity involves a work of the uh, holy spirit so when we're talking about um, reasons leading people to faith in christ and and we sometimes hear people say things like this that well no one was ever won to christ by an argument and neil that's actually not true I can think of literally hundreds of people who have been argued into the kingdom. In other words, they they believed something. It was shown to them that that idea was wrong. They were shown what the truth was. And as a result, they've, they've turned to Christ. Evidence is important, isn't it, when we're discussing faith? And even whether it's just an intellectual pursuit of understanding or whether it is trying to dissect what has happened when a miracle has occurred and there is faith and there is the supernatural involved, evidence is still the issue here. Absolutely. Richard Dawkins actually, in several debates with uh, Dr. John Lennox, uh, who Dr. John Lennox is a, a double PhD uh, Oxford professor. And he has debated Richard Dawkins, who's a professor of zoology at Oxford and, and obviously promoting um, uh, evolution, Darwinian evolution as, as the explanation for how life began and how everything came into existence. And and John Lennox has taken him on with uh, the other side of that from a Christian point of view. And so one of the things that Richard Dawkins does is is describe and, and, and more or less define faith as belief where there is no evidence. And you've just said evidence is an important thing. In fact, the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 11 de- describes faith as grounded in evidence. Faith is the evidence of things hoped for. The evidence of things hoped for. In other words, we might say in response to someone asking us, why are you a Christian? We could reasonably, and I hope this is increasingly people's story, because I have good reasons for believing it's true. Now, when we use language like that, Neil, we are actually referring to, as you use the word, evidences. Christianity is grounded in the truth. The truth is grounded in good reasons Good reasons are grounded in evidence. And so when we're called on to give a defense for our faith or to give uh, you know, uh, the evidence for the hope uh, that is within us, we're actually going to use our intellect uh, to apply, uh, you might even call, you know, people talk about apologetics, to uh, apply an apologetic argument. And that's a necessary thing for a lot of people. Yes, and, and apologetics, it comes from, <laughs> here, here we, I'll give everyone a little Greek lesson, apologia, apol, with logia, the reason, with the reason, to give the reason. And that's that word apologetics. It, it sounds like we're always saying, I'm sorry, but when in fact, it, it's actually an apology is to give the reason. And so, yes, and, and I think we do have good reasons. In fact, I, I can think of five immediately good reasons why Christianity is true and other religious worldviews are not. Now, that might sound 
brash. In fact, I I gave a a talk at a particular place and I had an academic from a university come up to me and thank me for the, the, you know, this might sound like I'm blowing my trumpet and please, I'm not trying to do that. But they they thanked me for the rigor of the presentation that I'd given and they, they actually said, but it sounded like you were saying Jesus Christ was the only way to God. I, I hope you didn't mean to say that. And <laughs> Neil, I gotta tell you, I was actually thrilled that they that they thought I was saying that because I was saying that. And I actually came back to them and said, well actually that that is what I was saying. But let me put it this way. Do you think the most intelligent being in the universe is God? And they said, well of course. Do you think the most intelligent being in the universe would come up with the best way of salvation? And they said, well, of course. Well, by definition, if you've got the best way of salvation, how many do you have? And they looked at me and they said, "I've, well, one, um, but I'd never thought of it that way before. And so what, now what that was, was a little exercise in what's called philosophy. Philo to means love, uh, Sophia means wisdom, to, to provide a, a simple exercise in in philosophical evidence. In other words, if you think about it, would the most infinitely, supremely intelligent being in the universe be able to develop the best way to forgive mankind and have them come back into a relationship with him, which is what we Christians call salvation? The answer is uh, yes, in which case, if you've got the best, you've only got one. And and so, yes, I think the, the whole idea of evidence is super important to Christians, and we're not afraid of it. We we actually encourage people to look at and consider the evidence. So coming back to the Bible, Andrew, we know that you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are slightly different to the Gospel of John, uh, but John likes to discuss this sort of evidence, but the evidence comes in the stories that he chooses to tell about Jesus. How do you reflect on the power of the Gospel of John? And, and you know, when you talk about intellectualism, of course you had the Greeks of the first century and they were known to be the intellectuals. How do we reflect on the Bible and the sorts of evidence we're talking about today? Yeah, that's a great question. And you're right. Matthew, Mark, Luke, um, are what's called the synoptic gospels. They follow roughly the same outline. And in fact, there, there was a cold case, there is a cold case homicide detective who after 20 years of of prosecuting, uh, convicting criminals of murder, and this is cold case uh, homicide detective work. His name's Jay Warner Wallace. He recently wrote, he's written a number of books on this and, and they usually start with the, the title Cold Case Christianity or whatever. And, and he actually says one of the things that persuaded him that Christianity was true was the very thing that you s- said that people have often kind of pointed out. Hey, Matthew, Mark and Luke, the synoptics, synoptic meaning they, they see the same thing, that they, they all slightly differ a little bit. And he said that was the thing that convinced him that what they were saying was true because he said in a cold case murder case, if, if I find that all of the witnesses say exactly the same thing, I actually think, hang on, something's going on here. The, these people are telling a story, not recounting an event. And so he actually saw Matthew, Mark, Luke and John as pointing 
to the, the truth of it. And, and the Gospel of John, as you mentioned, the final one, he doesn't follow the same outline as these guys. And, we, and most scholars would, would say almost with a certainty that John was the last of the four stories of Christ, the last of the four Gospels, Gospel meaning good news, the good news about Jesus Christ. And, and John actually gives, it, it's, it's an amazingly clever book. He, he gives seven miracles that Jesus did. We know Jesus did many, many more. In fact, right at the end of John's book, he tells us that Christ did many, many miracles, but he's only selected seven. He gives seven sermons by Christ. He gives seven I am statements by Christ. And all of these are people who were verifiable witnesses to everything that he's saying. Right at the end of John's gospel, he says this, and I think this is important for us as Christians to understand how the intersection of the place of the mind and the place of the soul intersects because John says these things have been written so that you may believe. In other words, what has he just said? I have given you evidence upon evidence upon evidence for you to have faith in Christ. And it's an amazing account right at the end of his gospel. So for those people who think, like Richard Dawkins claims, faith is is believing something where there is no evidence. That's not true, Professor Dawkins. Faith is believing something because there's good evidence. And there is good evidence to believe the claims of Christianity as they're recorded in the Bible. And so that's why I think any Christian should, if they are asked, why are you a Christian? I hope their answer is because I have good reasons for believing it's true. And how much more powerful when you have had a personal encounter with Christ or you've actually experienced something miraculous or you've heard the testimony of someone else who has told of that miraculous account or their own encounter with Christ. Uh, Wonderful talking about intellectualism and Christian faith. And uh, Andrew, people will not uh, be surprised that you are the National President of the ICI Theological College Australia, a theological distance education provider. You're a clear thinker, and no doubt there'll be those who might like to connect with you. You're also pastoring the Lagana Christian Church in northern Tasmania, 15 minutes north of Launceston. Here's the way you can connect with the ICI College. It's icicollege.com.au. A great conversation today. Andrew Corbett, thanks so much for joining us on 2020. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.